0: freedom hunt hunter biden back on the hot seat acb hearings final day no notes versus no brains the war on sexual preference and chardonnay nancy
1: won't let the peasants have cake this this is, is the buck sexton Sex show where the mission your mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence One
2: make no mistake american you're a great american i
1: The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. He's a great guy. It is
2: Buck Sexton.
1: Now.
0: Welcome, everybody, to the Buck Sexton Show. Another day. Getting closer now, all the time, to the big decision day. Gosh, I hope that we get to celebrate in November and it's not a very sullen, very sad month for us. But we'll see. We'll see. Uh the acb hearings i'll tell you my thoughts on that today i i guess it's the most they've been able to pull together so far is uh, some really dumb questions from democrat senators it it's hard to believe there's not nearly enough psychopathy from the left while the ruth bader ginsburg seat which is actually just a supreme court seat it doesn't belong to ruth bader ginsburg it's not the rbg seat really it's certainly isn't stolen now, nor are other Supreme Court seats stolen, despite the rhetoric the libs, the Democrats use. It looks like so far so good. If that changes over the course of this show, I'll have to let you know. But I got to tell you about something else today, and maybe it's going to move the needle. Maybe it's going to make a difference. Perhaps not. We we have to see. But it is it is good for all of us to at least know that uh, we were certainly right. We were certainly right about. Hunter Biden and Burisma and the whole situation. Let's just let's backtrack for a second, shall we? By way of review, friends, make yourself comfortable. Let's let's get into this. As you will recall, it came out about what is it now, two years ago that Hunter Biden was the recipient of a particularly lucrative board seat on a Ukrainian energy company board called Burisma. Hunter Biden, who had been kicked out of the uh, military uh, for failing a drug test and who had no knowledge or or any reason at all to be on a board of a Ukrainian energy company, doesn't know the energy sector, doesn't really know much about business. Uh, Hunter Biden got a fifty thousand dollar a month sinecure. He, He got hooked up big time while daddy Joe Biden now supposed to be the next president of the United States, was the guy who was the point man on policy in Ukraine. I remember it was at the Hill.com, and two of my friends, uh, John Solomon and Sarah Carter were the ones who were really pushing this story, breaking the uh, the big news on it. I remember as it was happening, I, I sat in the office with John Solomon when he was getting some of the, the tranche of documents around this issue. That was two years ago. And you will remember that while there was some attention on this, uh, the media pretended it was just nothing, couldn't prove anything. Nothing illegal about it. That that really became the fallback—that there was nothing illegal about what Hunter Biden did, and therefore we're not supposed to care. Uh, well, they were assuming there's nothing illegal about it, and from what we knew, it was gross, meaning it was unethical. Meaning there was plenty of plenty of reason to believe that what had gone on was at least corruption from a government ethics point of view if not a criminal legal point of view and that was what that was what was uh, a big focus of all these conversations and all these discussions at the time Um, but you know the the left circled the wagons and it was unsurprising that they took the position they did which was Hunter biden is important for a democrat who's who's going to be running and so they covered for him right they made this whole effort to say that it was a no big deal. People do this all the time. Look at how Trump corrupts children or all this kind of stuff. Meanwhile, Trump had never held public office before he became president. So there was no opportunity for him to engage in the same kind of public corruption that the, the Biden crime family has, as we know. And the media pretended to be really stupid. And they like to do this. This is one of their favorite games. They all pretend to be morons. But as long as other supposedly smart people in the media say the same thing, They know that their audience will just go along with the stupidity. They know that there's there's not going to be any consequence. And and in fact, that they'll be the recipient of, you know, more TV appearances and better jobs and contracts and things like that in the media business. If they go along with the lie. Perfect example of this. I I remember during the uh, 2015, 2016 period talking at CNN when I was when I was a CNN contributor, speaking to them about. Uh, the Hillary Clinton email fiasco. And I kept saying, look, if she was operating on on an email server and didn't use a classified server for communications really ever, then there's classified under emails, and that's a huge problem. And it was much better if you wanted to be on CNN, it was much better for people to hear you say, no, it's no big deal, that's not true, even though that's a lie, and it's an obvious lie. Another one was people who acted like they couldn't figure out why would foreign countries like, oh, I don't know, Saudi Arabia, for example. Why would some of these foreign countries out there take the uh, position that they wanted to give millions of dollars to the Clinton Foundation? That doesn't make any sense. What Saudi Arabia cares about women's empowerment or combating climate change? But if you went on TV and pointed out what was so clear to anybody with two brain cells, uh, you were shouted down, oh, why do you hate charity? There's no proof of that. There's no, you know, the entire Democrat media effectively turned into the Clinton Foundation's personal lawyers, just finding as many loopholes and misdirections and. BS explanations as they could. And then people like me who even said at the time, "Hey, uh, you know that the donations to the Clinton Foundation because it is an access peddling scheme. They're selling access. That's what's going on here. Donations to the Clinton Foundation, we're going to see who's right because they're going to fall off a cliff. They're going to be way down after this whole thing. Sure enough, the Clinton Global Initiative was shut down in the year after Hillary losing the election. And Clinton Foundation, you never even hear about it anymore. I thought it was a charity. There's no more charitable causes that are that need help in the world anymore. Right. The whole thing was a fraud. And the people that went around, I mean, this is why I'm working you through this because there's a pattern here, right? Once you understand the pattern, you you see exactly how egregious this latest effort is with Hunter with Hunter Biden to cover this thing up. They will do whatever they think helps their team, even at the at the expense of pretending to be complete morons. Journalists will all of a sudden lack the most basic intellectual capabilities because I don't understand is so much easier uh, or, you know, that doesn't make sense to me what you're saying that any person could connect the dots on. That's better than just saying, yeah, I don't care because I want my side to win and I'm not really a journalist. They don't want to say that. So they did it with the Clinton Foundation. They did it with the Clinton emails. And now with Hunter Biden And the corruption around Burisma, once again, we see the same attitude at work. And we have it courtesy of a New York Post piece that goes into emails, emails uh, that show very clearly uh, that that there was a quid pro quo. Remember that whole term from the uh, phone call with Trump and Ukraine? They used it against Trump, but there's a quid pro quo here. Uh, because Hunter Biden was introducing his dad to a Ukrainian executive and the Ukrainian executive is like, thanks for making the good stuff happen for me. So the quid pro quo here is we pay you a lot of money. You make introductions to your father who runs foreign policy in our country. That's corruption, friends. Clear as day. We can all see it. And this is also a reminder. How does Joe Biden live in a twenty thousand dollar a month mansion? And why is he worth 14 to 20 million dollars, I think, is the range I've seen. And and, and why is Hunter Biden driving around in a Porsche? Uh, What's going on here? Well, turns out there are a lot of ways to peddle influence, a lot of ways to sell access and make money. Hunter Biden, according to the New York Post here, introduced his father, then Vice President Joe Biden, to a top executive at a Ukrainian energy firm less than a year before the elder Biden pressured government officials in Ukraine into firing a prosecutor who was investigating the company, according to emails obtained by the Post. The never-before-revealed meeting is mentioned in a message of appreciation that Vadim Pozarsky, an advisor to the board of Burisma, allegedly sent Hunter Biden on April 17, 2015, about a year after Hunter joined the Burisma board, had a reported salary of up to fifty thousand dollars a month, and so what we see here is what was Burisma getting for its money? Well, Burisma was getting access to the guy who was able to pretty much dictate high level policy to a Ukrainian government that was completely embattled, it had uh, you know Russian backed insurgents and separatists on its border. It had had a a, a effectively a, a coup take place in the in the Maidan Square. I mean, you have all this stuff that had happened in Ukraine, a country that needs Western support. And had the Russian bear. Bearing down on it, I couldn't find a way to avoid saying it that way. But, you know, that was what was going on there. And all of a sudden, Hunter Biden's getting uh, meetings for a burisma executive with his dad. Now, again. Is this criminal? No, for that, you'd probably have to prove a quid pro quo directly from the meeting to a Biden action. But is it politically damaging? Should it? It should be. Will it be? Well, we'll have to see how much do independents, how much do swing voters really care about this? How much do base voters really care about this? I don't know. I'm I'm honestly a little skeptical of that, although you never know. They claim that there's some polling data that shows that the reopening of Hillary Clinton's email investigation right before the 2016 election. Some people believe or say they argue that that was an important moment for Trump. I I think that that's revisionist history, but it could be. Uh, But so here we have it. Here we have the email that says that, yes, in fact, somebody from Burisma was or uh, associated with the Burisma board was getting meetings brokered by Hunter with his dad. This is a pay-for-access scheme. This is gross. We all see it. Biden has always been a guy who's out for Biden, first and foremost. This is not about public service, and he was making sure that his family members were getting rich, fat, and happy while he was in a position to be the influence that they were selling, right? What do you think the media response to this Has been so far. It is mind blowing, friends. Get ready for it.
1: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
3: Do you think it was wrong for him to take that position? No. Knowing that it was really because but, but that it, company it, wanted access to you. Well, that's not
4: true. You're saying things you do not know what you're talking about. No one said that. Who said that?
3: Well, don't who you said think that? that? Don't you think that it's just one of those things where people think, well, that seems kind of sleazy. Why would he have that job if not for his who his father was? Because he's a very bright guy. I guess the question I'm kind of asking is, appearance.
4: was it right? His appearance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he said he regretted having done it.
0: He's a very bright guy. Yeah, that's why. That's why Hunter Hunter Biden, the impregnator of stripper that ran away from said stripper when she wanted paternity payments after getting kicked out of the military for using drugs. Look, look, the man's obviously had a tough life. And there's a part of me that also wants to say, look, you know, the guy's a mess up. And there's a better word for it, but I can't use it on radio. But he's a mess up. But, you know, this is politics, folks. And if you want daddy to be the leader of the free world after already being VP for eight years and all of daddy's little buddies in the media and the Democrat Party are constantly attacking Trump's kids who are already super rich and already super influential before their dad became president, you're going to constantly be attacking them. I'm sorry. The hypocrisy is too much here. And even Savannah Guthrie is like, I mean, it kind of looks gross. It doesn't. It's obviously gross. We are not morons. We understand what happened here. We all everyone Democrats, everyone we all see this was influence peddling. Hunter Biden got this got this payment because he was going to arrange meetings for important people with dad. And then dad took actions that might have really benefited the company because Burisma had a record of corruption and this was well known. So do you know what the media is doing now today? Can't make it up, folks. I just got to tell you what's What's happening, because it's even more interesting than what I could come up with on the fly. Uh, They're straight up saying, nope, these are stolen documents. We won't report on them. I mean, the New York Post is reporting on it. Conservative media is reporting on it. But the mainstream media, the lib media, we will not report on unverified stolen documents. Oh, okay. So after, what, four years now of pretending the Steele dossier, which we know beyond any doubt, is a concoction of Hillary campaign paid for rumors, fabrications, gossip, bull. Just a giant sheet of bull. That's what it is. You could say it is a, a, a sheet of bull, a, a bull sheet. That's what it pulled, that's what it got pulled together as. And nobody can seem to address this properly right now in the media. Why? Oh, because they just don't want to. So they're saying it's stolen documents. Some guy who does comms for Facebook, his name is Andy Stone, put out, quote, what's his actual title here? I mean, Yeah, Communications at Facebook. Oh, he used to work for Senator Boxer. What a surprise. A huge lib in Facebook communications. This is why these social media platforms cannot be trusted. Quote, while I will intentionally not link to the New York Post, I want to be clear that this story is eligible to be fact-checked by Facebook's third-party fact-checking partners. In the meantime, we are reducing its distribution on our platform. Friends, this is somebody who is a Facebook official, which is really, Facebook is, Facebook and Google, the two most powerful media companies really in the world right now, okay? I mean, there are a few others that are up there, but Facebook and Google are probably number one and number two, or number two and number one. And they're straight up telling you less than three weeks before an election. Hey, you know that story that's really damaging for the Democrat candidate? And that tells a narrative of not only corruption, but also just all the lies, Biden lying, acting like we're all such imbeciles that we can't figure out what was going on here. You know, Biden could have come clean and said, yeah, look, it was bad. My son shouldn't have done it. But instead it was, oh, no, he's a smart boy. Yeah. Yeah, Hunter's a real smart, smart guy. Yeah. Sure. They're telling you they're suppressing this. They're telling you, that this is a media outlet that acts as a platform sometimes and is a publisher other times. And right now it's a publisher on behalf of the DNC. They're actively suppressing. This is not a you're not imagining this. This is not a theory. They won't, they won't report on this because they say it's some computer tech guy who gave the information to the Senate committee looking over this, and now the story's broke. Clearly, the Senate committee released some of these or talked about some of these emails to certain news outlets. Since when, explain to me since when the these are stolen documents prevented the media from reporting on something. They will report on top secret information that is truly damaging for it to be released. But they don't care. They want to tell a story. They tell the story. And they they hold a, a, a total, in their minds, total autonomy to do that. They won't report on this story. Facebook is throttling it. Facebook is suppressing it because this is a bullseye, friends.
1: Thanks for listening to the Bus Sex, and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: And you know Biden, he can't stand up to the lunatics running his party. He can't even find his way off the stage without him. Look, look what's happened. Yesterday, he didn't know the name. He said, you know the guy, I think he's a Mormon, right? He said he's a Mormon. He was talking about Mitt Romney. He forgot Mitt Romney's name. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine? Then he didn't know where he was. He said, where the hell am I? Where am I? No, he's shot, folks. (laughs) He's shot. I'm running against the single worst candidate in the history of presidential politics. And you know what that does? That puts more pressure on me. Can you imagine if you lose to a guy like this?
0: The president's very competitive, fortunately. So I I know that he's giving this everything he's got. Isn't Isn't it amazing? It feels like Eons have passed, at least in news cycle terms, from when uh, on a Friday evening, Trump was going to Walter Reed Medical Center. And there was this this frenzy from the lib media of both. See, he deserved it. And I did not want to say what they were hoping for, but you all know what they were hoping for. At least at least a few weeks of the president struggling in the hospital at least at least a you know, prolonged period of recovery, looking at Trump, you know, stammering and, and uh, you know, doddering around the White House and not looking like himself and dealing with, you know, really severe illness. And the guy like four days later was practically, you know, doing the moonwalk and backflips and telling everybody how he's going to kick butt in 2021. Here we are. And we're also at a point that we see the media's credibility is on the line here in a way that it never really has been before. Because I think if they if they lose this if they lose, and that's really what it will be if Biden wins, if they lose this election, because it's the Democrat media and the and the Biden ticket and the DNC all together, uh, they realize that this game that they've been playing for a long time, where they act like they are the the truth scribes of our society and they present information that we all need to know, they're just going to keep losing. Keep losing that perceived authority. And by the end of four more years of Trump, think about this. Trump has been calling them out, saying they're fake news, saying they're the enemy of the people. So what I'm trying to tell you is that this time around, it's personal for the media. This time around, it's it's existential to what they view as their profession and really to their purpose. Right? Will they continue to be this uh, media apparatus that gets to tell everybody what reality is and we're all supposed to nod our heads oh sure that's just you're just speaking the truth you're all truth tellers if they get a biden administration with all the access they have with all the things that they'll do uh i i know that they view this as an enormous win for them not just ideologically but but professionally financially it'll be a big win you have to remember within administration comes All kinds of, you know, the lobbyists change out, you know, to some degree. And the uh, all the administration positions and all the patronage and the appointees and the think tanks and all all this stuff. All this stuff that's out there. And. You know, I turn around and I say, what happens if uh, sure enough, um, what happens if they lose again? Right. Then what do they do? Then what's there? Because the conservative media having a President Trump for four more years would be in a much better position to continue to show anyone who has the ability to think clearly. This is all this media apparatus that that exists in the country is all a fraud. I should probably call them apparatchiks now to start going back to the Soviet era, because there really is something very deeply Soviet about what we're witnessing. I'll talk to you in a little bit about. The war on. Sexual preference as a term. Now, I'm not allowed to say that anymore. Not allowed to say we're on sexual. I mean, sorry, not allowed to say sexual preference. And we'll explain how that came up yesterday. And the speed with which they almost institutionalized this newfound change was amazing. It was jaw dropping. Uh, but first, under- understand that there is no dishonesty. There is no uh, level of complicity that is beyond the democrat media right now and you're going to see that in everything as it plays out going forward for the next few weeks it's just it's all in it's all in in 2016 they thought hillary was going to win yeah they were they were stacking the deck for her and there was the billy bush tape and that was the october surprise and i still think the democrats have got it there's some dirty trick they're going to play although looking increasing like they don't have any any they just don't have a card to play against ACB not one that's going to work they don't have it so they're probably going to then focus all that additional rage on Trump which we all can expect i think that that's very likely to happen uh one thing i wanted also say here um the the rhetoric from the left is increasingly not only is it divorced from reality but it's it's troubling to hear somebody who will say these things, especially when they have, you know, millions of listeners or viewers or anything else. They're doing real damage to our society. They're just doing it because now we have a system that rewards people, whether it's in politics or media, for the most hateful and outrageous claims about the other side. It's, it's not a side effect now. That's the goal. That's the goal. Don't don't ever try to be held up by honesty or decency. Just say whatever you have to say to just crush the other side. Here's Chris Hayes, who used to be kind of a more of a mild-mannered, nerdy lib guy. You know, now he's been an anchor for a few years. So he's you a know, big man on campus kind of thing over at over at MSNBC. But while we're having this ACB hearing, uh, here's what he's saying about the Republican tradeoff. Play play 23.
1: Now Mike Lee is not fully out of the woods. His doctor today released a letter uh, that acknowledged that while Lee is improving, he is basically still experiencing symptoms, self-reported. And yet,
0: there he was, in the hearing room today, speaking without a mask... So committed to ramming through a justice, to giving Trump and conservatives a 6-3 majority on the court for a generation so they can do things like, I don't know, maybe take
1: away Americans' health care. So committed to that project that even though he might have contracted the illness at the last big event for this justice, even though he is still experiencing symptoms, he rushed back into that room to breathe all over his colleagues.
0: He could have done it on Zoom. I mean, we've all spent seven months working remotely, but no, 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 no. Why? Well, because they just don't seem to care how many people get sick and how many people die so long as they can push their justice through. They don't care how many people die. They don't care about people dying. This is really I want you to hear this. I know it's it's frustrating. It's even enraging, perhaps. This is now mainstream thought. On the left, they believe this. Republicans don't care. Our loved ones, ourselves, we're at every bit the same risk as Democrats are from this virus. I know that you're going to say Democrat states have had much worse records against this. But, you know, as human beings, as individuals, we're, we're all at risk from this. As I've been telling you, the risk for a vast majority of us is is quite minimal. But there are risks. There's no question about it. But we don't care about people dying. That's so interesting, because on the other side of this, first of all, that's it's a stupid slander. But Democrats excel at stupid slanders. On the other side of this, you have the costs that the media will not pay attention to right now. You're going to be living, if you, if you watch mainstream media, if you turn on ABC News, which I don't know why anyone watches that warmed over, you know, poll-tested socialist crap. I don't know why people think that, you know, oh, I'll just turn on NBC News tonight, you know, and see the same thing. It's a you know, well, big news story that's from a left-wing uh, opinion, but it sounds authoritative. And then at the end, it's like, hey, here's a mama duck swimming around in a pond. I mean, it's so stupid. People watch this stuff. Uh, they won't tell you about what is increasingly clear, which is the enormous cost to life and psychological and emotional well-being from policies that it used to be we had to look at lockdowns as a a trade-off. Now, increasingly, it's just a self-inflicted wound. The data is not supportive of these things as working. They do not work. The only thing that would really work to stop this virus would be to stop society. And we can't do that. Even the Libs have to. And I mean, really stop it. I mean, everyone, you are you cannot move. You are in place for two weeks. No grocery shopping, no doctor's visits, no hospital visits, nothing. Two weeks shut down. And even that might not do it. But we can't do that. That's crazy. That's insane. Well, it used to be we thought of this as all a big trade I, By the way, I think this is a much more important issue than the hearings. I'm just going to say it fighting against lockdowns. We are heading into a winter of lockdowns in this country again. Because it's been handed to the states and people are terrified and blue states and even some red states look at Texas are run by people who don't have the, the courage, don't have the political and intestinal fortitude to say, I'm, look, people can take whatever precautions they want. I'm not using the power of the state to erase constitutional freedoms and rights to make people who are overly anxious or who are capitalizing on this panic and fear. Happy. Uh th- this is this is what has been shared. You know, Dr. Atlas was uh was on Fox last night, and here are just some of the stats that he shared. Uh 46% of cancers during the lockdowns were not diagnosed, 50% of chemotherapy appointments were missed, and, and, and 50% of immunization scheduled were missed for uh, for young children. Th- those are guaranteed. OK, we didn't we didn't cut cancer in half by having lockdowns because then we really would be in lockdown forever. Right. All that means is we're missing hundreds of thousands of cancer cases delayed perhaps for months, months. You know, when those those people are going to we're not going to you know, necessarily know what the real toll is here. They're going to start, unfortunately, uh, some percentage of them are, are going to start dying, you know, this late this winter, next spring, next summer. Because they instead of being stage one, they were stage four, you know, or instead of being stage two, they're stage three, whatever it may be. Enormous cost to this. And that's just one thing. Two hundred thousand missed cases of child abuse during lockdowns. The child abuse didn't disappear, just not seen because people don't go to school. which is actually the main reporting mechanism from where people where people see the abuse. This was one of the most sobering statistics. Twenty five percent of young people, according to the CDC, are considering suicide. Twenty five percent, one in four or have considered suicide during lockdowns. Uh, You do start to have these moments. Look, I've had moments, obviously nothing, not thinking anything seriously and nobody should ever have those thoughts and they should get help right away if they do. But you start to wake up and just in a general sense, you say, what's the point? I can't see anyone. I can't do anything. just going to just going to keep feeding myself and watching screens all day alone. That's really what lockdown is. Oh, and if I go outside, I have to put on this moronic face diaper. You know, I was very happy Tucker last night, just reminding everybody on his show. Hey, the people that are telling you that if you don't mask up, you're you're literally and that is the word that he used as Cuomo used literally killing people. They were laughing at masks earlier this year. And now the science has changed so much. Here's something that I want you all to keep in mind, friends. All of the data on two highly infectious airborne pathogens, measles and chickenpox, will tell you, and it it is considered necessary science, uh, science science-based, evidence-based practice, that you must have a, a properly fitted N95 mask and goggles on if you do not, if you are an adult who has not had measles or the measles vaccine or chicken pox, or the chicken pox vaccine, and you're going to be in, in an enclosed space with somebody who has that, uh, has one of those viruses. Cloth mask entirely insufficient, entirely insufficient. And if you wear one, you have a very high probability, very high possibility, of catching a, uh, of catching one of those viruses. So why is it so different here? Why is it all of a sudden that masking is supposed to be? Saving all of us. Well, I'll address this a little bit more, because I I, I, look, I think this is the most important issue in the country, bar none. The issue of lockdowns, of covid, of our fight against this.
1: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Media is not going to talk to you about
0: this, so that's what my job is to tell you things that are important that other people who have a political agenda don't want you to know. Europe is going into into lockdown and they're getting deeper and deeper into it. Madrid, England, France, bunch of countries, Ireland, Holland, Brussels. Belgium, rather. Well, some cities, some countries, you get what I'm saying. They're going into lockdown. Why is this a story that the media that's usually obsessed with telling us about how terrifying covid is? Why are they not really covering this? I mean, they can't entirely not cover it because it's certainly news in Europe. It's out there. It's on the Internet, but they're not running uh, major broadcasts. You know, CNN's not opening up. It's this. This is a big story. Remember what happened? We saw what went down in China, but then also in Italy, particularly in northern Italy. And we realized what was coming for us. Now, look, I don't think it's going to be like it was then. But I'm just saying we can watch things playing out elsewhere. And understand there's a very good chance that a similar problem will face us here. How is this not a bigger news story? Because right now, it's the same reason the Hunter Biden thing is a non-news story. Right now, there is only one agenda of the news media, and it is to defeat Donald Trump. That's it. Anything that interferes with that, they think is bad. Anything that helps with that, they think is good. That's it. And here's the problem with European lockdowns. Look at all the smug jerks, all the mask shamers, all the, the different people out there who think that they're so much better than Trump and Trump supporters because they're not, so, they're not as pro-mask. A lot of Trump supporters, you look at the rallies, they're wearing masks. They're doing, But the, the narrative that's been created here is COVID came back in this country because of irresponsible people like Trump and Trump supporters. People like me who are like, why am I wearing a mask for stupid reasons? And then seeing that people aren't wearing them when they should be wearing them. And this is just all nonsense. We are supposed to be the problem. Well, the issue is that if enough people figure out that Europe is having spikes in cases again, including places that have already been in very severe lockdowns, that's a reminder to all the rest of us. Hold on a second. It's not Trump and Trump supporters faults. It's just not. It's illogical. It makes no sense to believe that. But Democrats need people to think that. So they go in and vote and say, if I vote for Biden, things will be better with covid. no. Unfortunately, the the tragic irony here is a vote for Biden will make everything COVID related worse because he's going he's learned all the wrong lessons so far. The Democrats, the left, love this control. They like this power and they're just going to continue to use this as a political tool. They're going to take us deeper into shutdown. That's what's going to happen. Lockdowns are on the ballot in a few weeks, friends. Remember that. Lockdowns, your livelihood, perhaps your
1: freedom for certain is on the ballot. Thanks for listening to the Bus Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple podcast, the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Speaking of covid lockdowns and all the damage that it's been doing, still have millions of people who don't have jobs that they should have, were it not for the government deciding that they weren't allowed to continue working who are not getting those uh, supplemental benefits that they had been in the past if they've lost their job let's say for since the beginning of the pandemic or at some point midway through and this is where you would think the federal government would just uh, would just step up and help out but no because what what have i told you you'll see this this is a thread this is a theme that will run through everything what have i told you Nothing matters to the news media, and the Democrat Party right now, other than beating Trump. Nothing can be allowed to be a distraction from that. It cannot detract from that. It, it has to be. It's all systems go. That is the only focus. The journalists get up in the morning, the CNN and MSNBC and ABC News, they get up and their mission in life is to make sure Donald Trump doesn't get reelected. And that's also true for Nancy Pelosi and the entire Democrat Party. The suffering that's out there, they don't care. They're the ones, first of all, that will just go out and say. Republicans don't care about people dying, so how do we respond to that overheated rhetoric? Well, one way is just to point out, well, the Democrats definitely don't care about people suffering financially, their businesses uh, suffering emotionally. And you have this uh, class of elites. You know, you have this class of elites that still manages to have their jobs. They work remotely. They probably have, you know, more time at home, more time on the couch. It's not so bad for them. They don't care. None of them are going to be storming Pelosi Manor with pitchforks and torches, screaming that she actually do something right. That's not going to happen. But Chardonnay Nancy is openly standing in the way of people getting the federal benefits that the Trump administration has already said we would we will sign this. We'll get this done. Republicans will push it through the House, the Senate. Trump will sign it. People start getting their direct deposits, and that's money for groceries. That's money for rent. You know, m- money to, to pay for essential pharmaceuticals. I mean, this is, this is serious stuff. People need help out there. Not everybody. Some people are, you know, pretty fine, pretty fat and happy right now. Emphasis on fat, given all the COVID uh, mac and cheese and sweet treat eating that's been going on. I can't speak for all of you, but. But, you know, some people are not not really suffering at all about this and they don't care what's happening to the working class. While the Democrat Party pretends to be the champions of the working class, they Nancy, if you remember, this is the third go around here where she has said, no, I'm going to take hostages. I'm going to hold the funds, the American worker, the American people need hostage to my left wing legislative agenda. Because that's how Nancy Pelosi is. That's what she's doing. And it was a bit of a shock yesterday to see. And it really wasn't because Wolf Blitzer is some big man of the people. I'm just going to say it. All right. Wolf Blitzer guys, a millionaire many, many times over, you you know, but she got really nasty with Wolf Blitzer. It was kind of amazing because CNN is just carrying water for the Democrat Party, all day long, 24-7. It's gross. It's obvious. It's pathetic. That's what they do all day long. And they'll say, oh, but what about Fox? Fox has Democrats on. Fox has real Democrats. Fox has uh, Pete Buttigieg. Sorry for mispronouncing his name. Pete Buttigieg on to represent uh, the left-wing point of view. I mean, Fox will actually have these. They'll have real Democrat strategists, not... You know, CNN will have on some Republicans like, yeah, I've never really worked on a campaign, but I'm just here to, you know, get punched in the face for the amusement of CNN viewers. It's crazy. All right, but CNN all day long, that's all they do. And Pelosi, it's not enough. Queen Pelosi, Queen Nancy expects 100 percent obedience and servitude from CNN. Her view is she owns CNN cnn owes her right you know she's above them they are her scribes she tells cnn the new york times and others what to say what to think look she's the most powerful elected democrat most powerful elected woman in politics in america it's just a fact i know it hurts me to have to say it out loud but it's true and so she expects them to just bow down Take their orders and say, thank you, Nancy. May I have another? That's it. But yesterday, Wolf Blitzer found out that that really is what she thinks. Here's how the exchange went. This is over COVID relief funding. And here's how uh, this is how Nancy V. Wolf, how it went. The Wolf can snap back, apparently. Play five. But let's not go into that. You evidently do not
5: respect the chairman of the committee's. I I respect all of you. And I wish you you would respect the knowledge that goes into getting uh, uh, the the meeting the needs of the American people. But again, you've been on a jag defending the administration all this time with no knowledge of the difference between our two bills. And I thank you for giving me the opportunity to say that to you in person. Madam Speaker, these are
4: these are incredibly difficult times right now. uh, And we'll leave it on that note. Thank you so much yeah. for joining no, we'll us leave it
5: on the boat that you are not right on this wolf. And i hate to say that, all to right. you, but I feel confident about it. And I feel confident about my colleagues and I feel confidence in my chairs.
0: Oh, we're not done. Just, you know, there's more. But we wanted to pop in here for a second to say, first of all, wow, it's kind of nasty. Right. I mean, wolf. Kind of just try to say, okay, thanks, see you later. And she's like, no, 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 you're an idiot. Just so you know, you're wrong. You're wrong. Uh, before we, thanks for having me again. Sure, you're wrong. Just FYI. Like, unnec- slamming the door into his butt after she's also kicked him out of the house. You know what I mean? Not necessary. Petty. Petty. Nancy's feeling the heat. You know why? There's polls out there that show that American public blames Nancy more than Trump for the holdup in the COVID aid. This may be backfiring on the Democrats. Nancy's feeling that heat. What is Nancy Pelosi is ruled by polls and power. That's it. Nothing else. is no principle doesn't stand for anything stands for Nancy Pelosi. And the Borg, you know, collective of the Democrat Party. I don't know how many Star Trek fans are out there, but you get what I'm saying. You know, Nancy Pelosi is uh, like the hive mind that controls all the agent Smiths of the Democrat Party. If you like the Matrix more. So. This is all about why can't we get funding out to people? Trump, the Republicans have said one point eight trillion dollars. Nancy says, no, not enough. Now, a reasonable person would say there's urgency here. People don't have money for their bills. They're running up credit card debt. They may be losing their home soon if they haven't already. They're under a lot of stress. They don't know when their jobs are coming back. If ever, let's get these people help and There is an obligation. I think it's so important. I think conservatives here, the government needs to help people. The government decided to take away their jobs. The government decided to shut down the economy. It's not your fault if you can't make a living, you know, at your shoe store anymore because you're not allowed to have customers in the store on government mandate. That's government's fault. So instead of just saying, you know what, you're right. There's more stuff to be done, but let's get the money out to people. Pelosi goes, no, I want more or I'm going to hold the American people who are suffering hostage. It's exactly what she's doing. And Wolf Blitzer kind of knows it. He's like, hey, but I mean, can we get the people money? And then Nancy goes and says, you're covering for the Republicans, which for a Democrat, for someone watching CNN. I mean, that's the gravest insult imaginable. If for to a CNN watcher, if it's. Being called a mass murderer or being called an apologist for the Republican position for a congressional uh, a congressional spending bill. We all know that the second one is way worse. Much better be a mass. I mean, mass murderers can still believe in climate change. Mass murderers can still understand which pronoun to use of somebody's preferred pronouns. Pelosi and uh, and the wolf. They were not done. Play clip seven. Uh, no, Six.
4: It's not about me. It's about millions of Americans who can't put food on the table, who can't pay the rent. And we
5: represent them. And we represent them. And we represent them. These long food lines that we're seeing. Them. I know we you know are. We know them.
4: I'm, I'm just we saying. We represent
5: them and we know them. As we, we say. We know them. We represent them. Don't let yes. the
4: perfect be the enemy of the good, as they say It is nowhere
5: in near perfect. Madam Speaker, always the case, but we're not even close to the good.
4: All right. Let's see what happens, because every day is critically, critically important. Thanks so much thank for joining you for your us.
5: sensitivity to our constituents needs.
4: I am sensitive to them because I see them on the street begging for food, begging for money. Madam Speaker, thank you, you so much. Have you said
5: them? We feed them. We we'll, feed them.
4: We'll continue this conversation down the road for <laughs> sure. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back.
0: No, let's just be clear. No, Nancy doesn't feed them. That's the point. Nancy's saying, we'll feed them if you buy us a new car. We'll feed them if you give us more stuff, Republicans. That's what's actually happening here. There's there's no problem with the PPP and the unemployment benefits. Republicans are like, let's go for it. Nancy won't do it. Nancy wants bailouts for cities that have been poorly run and running up debts. You know why they have debts? This this is when you really get it. This is when the rubber really meets the road, friends. Why, Why are cities facing so much in the way of problems here? Public sector pensions, huge drain. Other than police, uh, police unions, who do you think the teachers unions and the municipal employees unions? Who do you think they're all completely embedded with the Democrat Party? Of course. What are the two things that drive large cities deep into the red? New York City, Chicago, you know, well. there are two things. Public sector union demands and pensions. Medicaid, that's it. Programs that Democrats are obsessed with. So what do they want? They want to use the suffering of the American people to get a federal bailout for poorly run cities. And the Republicans are saying, "Sorry, that's not that's not what this is about." You don't get to you know give us a wish list. You know Nancy's standing over the patient. The patient's dying. Nancy's got the two electric paddles you know in her hands. You know they go clear. They do that whole thing. N- Nancy's got them in her hands. Republicans said, "Okay, we're, we've turned on the device. Do it." And Nancy goes, "I want a pony, and then I'll do it." Wait, what? What do you mean? And then she goes, we're the ones that try to save people during a heart attack. No, you're, you're the one who's demanding a pony, Nancy. We, we see what's going on here. And I'm glad that Wolf Blitzer decided to try to regain some shred of dignity here by saying, OK, but there are a lot of people who are suffering. And then this is what, this is what I love too. This is the ultimate, the ultimate fraud here. Nancy Pelosi, he's a 78 year old gazillionaire Nancy Pelosi I think she's worth 40 to 70 million or something like that on the congressional forum she's worth a ton of money she's worth, ladies rich and then some I mean really her husband is but you know she that's her money too and uh she lives in a, in a straight up mansion I mean like a baronial castle practically in San Francisco and she really cares so much about the poor and struggling people anybody who believes that's an idiot she doesn't care she doesn't know these people she doesn't spend any time with them Nancy Pelosi hasn't worried about paying a bill in over 50 years. So come on, folks. Come on. CNN accidentally pushed into a moment of journalism by pushing back on the Speaker of the House, trashing one of their best known anchors, just trashing him. I mean, really abusing the guy. Actually, feel kind of bad for him? But you know why this is happening? Because Nancy knows That people are figuring this out, that her scam is not working as well as she had anticipated, just like it had in the previous times. And now she can't allow uh, for the Republicans to get their way in her mind because that's a political victory right before the election. That people are really going to feel they're going to see the money in their bank accounts. And it's going to be clear that, wait a second, we could have had this a month ago, six weeks ago. But Nancy wanted to play games. I don't think I'm putting those lunatic libs in charge. I don't think so. No, instead, what she has to do is make sure people are either miserable and blame Trump. That's the game. Or she gets this bountiful, you know, two point four trillion dollars or whatever it is she's demanding now. Not one point eight trillion and gets to look like a hero, a savior of Democrat cities across the country, which will help with base turnout and also show that the Republicans cave to her. It's all politics, friends. It's all you have to know about Nancy. What is What is
1: benefiting her? Not what helps the people True, the
0: Democratic Party as well.
1: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. The Democrat
2: Party hates fracking. They hate coal. They hate clean, beautiful coal. I see what they do with coal now. They hate domestic energy production and Biden will shut you down. He wants to shut you down, just like your governor's got you shut down right now. They better
0: open up your state. That's right. They want to shut it down, friends. As I've been telling you it's on the ballot and, you, you know, there's big problems ahead because, first of all, they're lying about what's already happened constantly. They're always telling you things. The Democrats who have made decisions about covid are in a furious Again, Soviet style rewriting of history contest all the time. Perhaps the best single example of this is Governor Cuomo himself, who has the worst, the single worst record on covid of anyone in the United States, perhaps the world. Maybe the Chinese, you know, Politburo was worse, the Chinese Communist Party. But, you know, inhumane and evil, but probably pretty effective in some ways. And here is what Cuomo says now about the nursing home order that I have seen that exists, that is out there. There's evidence here. There's proof. There's smoking gun. Here is Governor Cuomo, the possible attorney general of a Biden administration. Friends, just remember that. Place seven. Uh,
4: Willie, I hate to get uh, technical with you, but sometimes these things are technical. There was never a directive that said we will send COVID positive people back to nursing homes. The directive, which was modeled on the federal directive, said you cannot discriminate. But the state law clearly says a nursing home can't accept the person unless they can can treat them. Uh, Having said that, would my health department have followed the federal guidance? Obviously not, knowing the political issue it was going to create. But there was no issue in reality, is what I'm saying, Uh, because we never did have a scarcity of beds. We always had additional hospital beds and emergency beds. So no nursing home was forced to take someone. We never got there. It's
0: just a lie. Can't discriminate against... On the basis of covid means when someone comes out of the hospital and they're supposed to go back to their they want to go back to their nursing home, even if they may still have covid. We're hearing all the time they want Trump to still wear a mask. And then he's been testing negative, but can't discriminate in this context means you got to take him back or else you're going to get sued. That's what it means. This didn't happen everywhere else. This happened in New York and New York had the highest death rate, particularly in nursing homes of any place in the United States almost just trying to rewrite history. It's all politics, he says. Yeah, just not the way he says it is. Play eight.
6: What do you say to those families who believe that the death of their loved one was preventable?
4: Yeah, one of the things I find reprehensible about it, Willie, is they the president did create that impression, which is cruel. It's cruel. It's cruel to say to the families who lost people in nursing homes, well, this could have been prevented By a different government policy. Uh, It makes their pain worse. It is not true. If you want to rewind all the tape, we should have been testing staff before they walked into a nursing home. That is true. And that's back in March when we didn't have any tests. We were told uh, asymptomatic uh, spread wasn't possible, that you had to have a symptom. So the nursing home workers without symptoms were allowed in. That was bad information. Let me just jump that in right we here. I just seeing. want to
0: say uh, what he's saying. Notice how he hides behind the family members of people that have died from COVID. That's his first response to this.
1: Because he's scummy. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sex, and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. The ACB hearings in their
0: last day. And so far, the, the best summary I can give you of this is that Amy Coney Barrett should send the Democrat Senate Judiciary members a bill for the week-long constitutional law class that she has been giving them. She should she should ask for payment in full. She should ask for payment up front next time. Because she's been taking them on a school bus all week. Nobody has been able to trip her up, corner her. In fact, they look pretty sad, pretty pathetic when they try. And it's largely been for the, the public, I think, a waste of time. It's all just pro forma nonsense from the Democrats about, you know, oh, we love Roe v. Wade and Obamacare. I mean, they mostly turn this into an Obamacare commercial and reminded Americans that abortion for all nine months of a pregnancy is the most important, most uh, necessary thing that the Democrat Party stands for over all things. But there have been some notable moments. um, And one that will, I think, affect you and me already through the change in the rules Changing the rules, what we're allowed to say. But first, I just want to point out that um, I love the state of Hawaii. I think Hawaii is one of the most gorgeous places in the world. And Hawaiian people are great. I've been to Hawaii a few times, and I love it, and I've dreamed of moving there before. I just feel like it's such a, it's just so beautiful. Anyway, there's a lot about Hawaii that I'm a big fan of. Even with all of that, it's hard for me to forgive the state of Hawaii for foisting Maisie Hirono upon us. It's stunning. And I don't usually say this in this way. It's stunning that this woman has been elected. Any, I mean, if she was elected the head of her local school board, I would be shocked. Who, Who thought this was a good idea? She's a United States senator. And. It was a struggle to even understand what she thought she was saying yesterday. I mean, she's reading from notes handed to her by her staff. And I I love this, too. They ask Amy Coney Barrett, uh, can you show us your notes at one point? Held up a blank piece of paper that said United States Senate on it. Hadn't written a thing. Had no notes whatsoever. Everything just going from memory. And always is completely fluid. I got to say, more impressive in this questioning period than either Kavanaugh or Gorsuch were. I'm just going to say it. More impressive. Even, even for, those are very smart guys, but even better grasp of the law. Even more able to uh, engage in recall and a little bit of back and forth intellectual jousting, which usually she, to continue this medieval metaphor, uh, unhorsed her opponents rather abruptly. It was not hard for her. But... With all that, we still had to hear from Maisie Hirono yesterday and what became apparent, and this is true of of a lot of Democrat lawmakers and Democrat lawyers, too, is at a a fundamental level, they don't really understand the purpose of the law. They think that the law, it's, it's true of the Constitution as well. They think that these are just social constructs that you shift or change as needed. And that there's nothing, there's nothing below it. There's no important reason that we all agree exists for this thing. It's always this movable, moving target. Okay. So that's one part of this. And there's another part of this, uh, which is that I think that they're really just unable to understand a lot of the arguments that Amy Coney Barrett makes. So they misunderstand the purpose of the law and they don't understand the people that know and try to explain to them they're not really even able to process it. Uh, they, they don't understand these complexities. I mean, Maisie Hirono, here you go. Here, here's an example of where she says something out loud and everyone who was watching this yesterday felt like uh, it's like she had taken all of our brains out of our skulls, put them in a microwave for five minutes and then handed them back to us. We're just We're just amazed. What's going on here? Play clip one. So when you say that you're going
7: to make a decision based on the law, the real life stories that we've been talking about, you
0: would consider those to be part of the law? Yes. When we are talking about the law, it includes real stories from like What? Now, you might think, Buck, that's got to be the craziest thing the crazy Maisie said yesterday, right? That's got to be the top of the list. But no, no, there was something that was even more outlandish that happened. Play clip three.
7: To ensure the fitness of nominees for a lifetime appointment to the federal bench or to any of the other uh, positions uh, for any of the committees on which they appear, uh, I ask each nominee these two questions and I will ask them of you since you became a legal adult. Have you ever made unwanted requests for sexual favors or committed any verbal or physical harassment or assault of a sexual nature? No, Senator Hirono. Have you ever faced discipline or entered into a settlement related to this kind of conduct? No, Senator.
0: She's asking a female Supreme court nominee if she's ever sexually assaulted someone. Yep. Now, I understand the Democrat response to this is she asks everyone, OK, that doesn't mean it's not a stupid thing to do in the first place. And and for those who say, why, Buck, is there a problem with this? OK, should everybody who wants to be in public uh, public office be asked on a in a during a televised? I'm not saying that this shouldn't come up in background checks and there's other stuff that goes into this, folks. But in a in a televised Senate hearing, should somebody be asked, uh, you know, if they've if they've ever uh, molested a child should everyone be asked that question have you ever beaten your wife or beaten your husband i suppose should everyone be asked that question during a televised hearing? no this is grandstanding from crazy Maisie. that's what's going on what the heck is this uh but it gets it gets worse i I keep trying to tell you "Oh, oh, oh we're not even done yet we haven't even gotten all the, way, all the way through this, and yet there's more. Uh, this, is, this is where the language change comes in. Senator Mazie Hirono asked, uh, brings this up because earlier in the day, Diane Feinstein asked a question of, of uh, ACB, and ACB responded and used the term sexual preference. Now, I will tell you, and perhaps this is going to be a big problem for some people, I have used the term sexual preference in my life probably thousands of times. I mean, I don't even know, maybe even more. I mean, how many times have you used a phrase in common usage? You know, limo, a word in common usage, those of you who like Black Hawk Down. You remember this, right? How many of you have used a phrase in common usage? And we we were just told yesterday, and it was a fascinating real-time case study of how the left tries to win arguments by changing the words in arguments the actual meaning and the definition and the usage of the words i don't mean by just switching in other words i mean no that's no longer that's no longer a, a potato that's a petunia well okay but i guess then that wait i thought we we're talking about vegetables right it doesn't matter it doesn't matter that's what they do and, and here's an example of it. May And Maisie went to bring this back up. Clearly, her staff had handed her to this one. Uh, if you want to just see, if you want to see proof that we are largely ruled by idiots in this country, not everybody, but largely ruled by idiots, watch some of the Senate testimony from yesterday and, and watch Maisie Hirono's questioning. I really mean this. You will never think of the United States Senate in quite the same way. This This person is... Really, yeah, really. Um, but here's when we found out that sexual preference is now sexual preference is now a slur, effectively against the LGBTQ community. Not not allowed. Uh, play clip two.
7: So even though you didn't give a direct answer, I think your response did uh, speak volumes. Not once, but twice, you used the term sexual preference to describe those in the LGBTQ community. And let me make clear, sexual preference is an offensive and outdated term. It is used by anti-LGBTQ activists to suggest that sexual orientation is a choice. It is not. Sexual orientation is a key part of a person's identity. That sexual orientation is both a normal expression of human sexuality and immutable was a key part. Of the majority's opinion in Obergefell, which, by the way, Scalia did not agree right. okay. with. Okay, so, so, so we, is- we
0: get it. We get it. We get it. Sexual orientation is used by anti-LGBTQ activists. No, it's actually the phrase that has been in common usage for as long as I've been alive. And no one meant it as any kind of a slight. It was just meant to be descriptive. You know, your sexual orientation. I'm sorry, your sexual preference. Now orientation, is—you. that's what we're supposed to say. But orientation means you're positioning relative to other things. So if it's relative to other things, and that must mean it also is some degree of of change and subjectivity. But I'll get into that in a second. But this is what they came at Amy Coney Barrett with yesterday. And as much as I don't think this is really going to do anything, change anything in this hearing, I think Amy Coney Barrett's going to get confirmed and Democrats now are just resigned to the reality of, wow, we, we can't, you know, without without a white male Christian to attack. Democrats are a little bit defanged. They just don't. They don't have the same firepower. They need a white male Republican Christian. And then their tricks work. You make mother of seven female adopted two kids from Haiti. You know, yeah, that's and you have to specify a mother of seven. You got to say female because it could be a male mother of seven. You don't know. You don't know. And this is left wing dogma. Now you're saying, come on. No, that's real. That's real. That's what they want. At least that's what we're supposed to do. So now it's no longer sexual uh, sexual preference; it has to be sexual orientation, um, which is interesting because I, I I mean I would tell my sexual preference is, is women. And this is not hard to think about or say. It's very clear that I prefer uh, I am sexually attracted to women. So why and you know other people are sexually you know men are sexually, some men are sexually attracted to men and so on and so forth. You know all this. Why is this offensive? Oh well, it gets to as as Maisie was saying here or she was reading off of her cue cards, the uh, immutability of sexual, we'll use the term now, orientation. And notice that now they've changed this rule as of yesterday. I've never heard this before in my life, and I study wokeness, and I fight wokeness. Now, this is a new one. Had never heard that before. Sexual preference. Never heard it. Um, but I do remember being at a party a long time ago, and someone said he's a guy who prefers... Uh, prefers men or something like that uh, for a guy who was same-sex attracted and somebody else got a little bit snippy, but this is a long time ago. And I remember thinking like, how can so, what? what's the, he didn't say anything disparaging. Why is that? But cause they, cause the whole thing is, Oh, you're born, you're born this way. And it's always that way. And there's no choice involved. That's why. And that's necessary for it to become in the leftist approach to this, a protected characteristic like race, you know, like uh, you know gender. So, Here's the problem, though, that they create with this. See, see, their their illogic and their rationality creates more inconsistencies, creates more problems. Now you can change your gender. We know this. You can change your gender and it's not based in anything physical. So it's actually not people who have. Um, I'm forgetting I mean, they're, they're, we don't use the, the H word term for it anymore. There's another term for it. I'm forgetting. But where you have some male parts and some female parts usually vestigial of one and more of the other. But it's not that it's not physically based. It's psychologically. It's how you feel inside that determines your gender. But if you can change your gender. How is it you can't change your sexual preference? Right. If, if you so, so if you're a man who says that I'm really a woman, so I'm a trans woman now. And I believe they want you to just say woman, too. You can't even. Say, and if you say someone's old name, that's dead naming. Right. There's all these new rules that we have to live by. You're a trans man who's attracted to a woman uh, who says you're a woman. And once you you know, make that transition, you are now attracted to men, whereas you had been attracted to women. That does happen. It doesn't always happen that way. So, but so then that means that sexual orientation is at some level, it has to be at some level of preference because if it can change based on emotion and psychological desire, then it's not immutable. They tell us that gender is on a spectrum. Gender, I'm just, I'm just working you through, this is the left-wing woke logic here. Gender is on a spectrum, it's fluid, all these things, but sexual preference is locked in stone? You're born with a certain sexual preference that it cannot be added to or, or shift? How does that make any sense? So you can have all male body parts, X, X, uh, or sorry, X, Y chromosomes. And think that you're a woman and society has to completely accept and protect and, and actually now celebrate and cherish that, you know, men can get periods, too. These are phrases the left uses. It's true. But we're supposed to believe from the moment of birth, you are either same-sex attracted or heterosexual or bisexual or i don't know what else there i know there are other things that would go into this and you stay that way forever where's the evidence for this where's the science libs but it's not about that you know what it's about changing the rules
1: and making all of us snap to it do what we're told you're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
0: Oh, wait, what, another thing I want to throw in the mix here. Uh, hat tip Steve Krakauer, um, who who put this up on his Twitter account. He is the uh, editor and host of the Fourth Watch newsletter. Uh, so he, he did a quick look up to see that as of last month, Webster's Dictionary included a definition of preference as orientation or sexual preference. Today, they changed it to add the word offensive. I mean, they're actually changing definitions online, friends, in real time to attack Republicans and reflect their political whims. We have proof. We can prove it. That's what they do. I'm sure they're changing all the Wikipedia entries now, too. This is the Soviet rewriting of history. They can't win on the facts so they change the facts. This is just one example of it, but they do this constantly and they feel justified in doing it. In fact, they think that they're doing this because they're such good people, because they speak truth to power, or whatever other nonsense they tell themselves at night. God, Libs really need to get a grip, but Trump wins this election, that's gonna be something that I don't think's happening anytime soon.
1: Thanks for listening to the Bus Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. I got another incredibly
0: stupid question for you, courtesy of Democrats on the Senate Judiciary Committee, trying to take down ACB. And this one is pretty remarkable. I guess not surprising in its own way, but but remarkable nonetheless. Uh, you have uh, Senator Cory Booker here, because remember, for a lot of these Senate Democrats, this is really just about getting camera time. They treat these hearings not as an opportunity to get to important truths or speak to differing judicial philosophies in a way that's illuminating. That's, that's not a that's to come on. Come on. What is that weak sauce? Right. No, nothing that's actually worthwhile. No. It's about grandstanding. It's about getting camera time. It might as well be a cable news hit on MSNBC for these Democrats. And I, I do think that particularly the TV news media has, has just has done so much to poorly influence political discourse, especially for these uh, for these Democrats. It exists on the right, too. And I sometimes even call it out on the right. But it's really on the left. I mean, if you want to keep getting uh, elected to the House or the Senate, you just got to be on an MSNBC like every 10 minutes. You know, you got to do it. Um, So that's something that goes, I think, unnoticed a lot of the time. But okay, here we go. We have um, we have. uh, Cory Booker, who. Asks Amy Coney Barrett this question because he's trying to remember he was he was I am Spartacus well with this question he definitely didn't sound particularly Spartacus. womp womp Uh, but Cory Booker asked her a question that I guess he thought this was worthwhile for some reason please play 13
6: I'm going to ask you some questions that if you had told me five years ago Uh, that would be questions asked at a Supreme Court nomination hearing, I I would have thought they wouldn't be possible. But unfortunately, I think they're necessary to ask you. And I hope that you'll give me direct answers. The first one, um, uh, you've already spoken towards issues of racism and how you deplore it. But I want to just ask you very simply, and I I imagine you'll give me a very short, resolute answer. Um, But you condemn white supremacy, correct?
3: Yes. Yes.
6: Thank you. I'm glad to see that you said that. I wish our president uh, would say that so resolutely and unequivocally as well. But we are at a time that Americans are literally fearful because their president cannot do that in the resolute manner in which you did. I'm I'm sorry that that question had to even be asked at this time.
0: I I I don't want this question to be asked and and it shouldn't have to be asked. But and I know what your answer is going to be. And and it's not going to tell us anything we don't already know. And. I can't believe it's going to be asked, but I'm going to ask you the question. I mean, this guy. What a clown, honestly. He's asking a woman who is mother to two Haitian children. Those are her kids. Asking her if she condemns white supremacy. I'm I know that he says that he knew what the answer is going to be. But why is he asking the question? Oh, we all know why he's asking the question. So he can turn this into some speech about how Trump doesn't condemn white supremacy, which is a lie. We've noticed last week we had to go through this. It's the cycle all over again. They say, oh, he won't condemn white supremacy. And then people finally go, "Okay, fine. They start pulling out all the clips and all the times and the press secretary and all these people said the president condemns white supremacy. Right. They grab all this stuff and then they wait a week or two and they go, you know, the president doesn't condemn white supremacy and you just want to just throw things at the wall what do you mean if we're doing this again yes we're doing this again doing this again gaslighting she there you go there you go That was supposed to be a gaslight noise it kind of just sounded like i was slurring my words for some reason didn't really work but gaslight actually comes from a play i believe the term comes from a play although who knows maybe they'll they'll uh they'll tell you they'll tell you uh Something else, they'll change the definition of the dictionary. Yeah, asking her if she's uh, she condemns white supremacy. She's got two black children, but she needs to be asked that. Sure, Um, it is worth noting that the left has nonetheless attacked Judge Amy Coney Barrett, including her adoption, and they did this particularly in the early days of this nomination process online, uh, because they say that there's a I think it was Ibram Kendi, professor at Boston University, who said that there was something. Uh, colonial and and therefore exploitative or uh, I can't remember his exact his exact wording about a white woman adopting two children from Haiti. It was really, really ugly. First of all, just untrue and ugly stuff to say. And a lot of Democrats, including Democrat professors, excel at that stuff. Here's what ACB said uh, about that play ten. Some
4: butthead professor at Boston University says that because you and your husband have two children of color, that you're a white colonist. The implication is that you're a racist and that you use your two children as props. Do you use your children as props?
3: Senator Kenney, it was... The risk of people saying things like that, which would be so hurtful to my family that when I told Senator Graham this morning that my husband and I had to really weigh the costs of this, it was saying deeply offensive and hurtful things, things that are not only hurtful to me, but are hurtful to my children, who are my children, who we love and who we brought, brought home and made part of our family and accusations like that are cruel.
0: You know what one of the problems that Amy Coney uh, Barrett has uh, with all this is? One of the challenges that she really has. Um, There are a lot of leftists, a lot of Democrats who see her and they recognize someone who, no matter how much they tell themselves, they believe in climate change and they wear masks all the time and they watch Rachel Maddow and they read the New York Times. They see someone who is smarter than they are kinder than they are and a better person than they are and it really bothers them it really unsettles them part of the narrative that you tell yourself as a liberal is that because of some of those things i just mentioned to you and many many others you at least get to look at half the country with some disdain you get to look on everybody who doesn't agree with your politics i mean i I, as a conservative i always tell people don't don't look at libs i mean some of them are obviously crazy a lot of them are but you don't look at them with disdain if anything i wish they would Agree with more of what I say, and I try to find points of of common humanity and common understanding with them whenever possible. It's hard these days because they won't let us, but I do it. And on an individual level, I have plenty of friends who are liberals, and I think our interpersonal relationships and decency are more important than than any professed political position. You know, I always say that. I will not. I do not attack liberals who are friends of mine on this show, uh, because and that's just a rule. That's just that's just how I. Go about my life. That's how I conduct my business. But that all said, uh, there are still a lot, of, a lot of liberals out there who see Amy Coney Barrett, and she is a reminder of their deficiencies. She is a reminder that it is possible, in fact, to believe actual Catholic teaching, to get married, to have a career, to have a big family, and to be happy, and to be really, really smart. Yeah. Now, many of us, I mean, if you're listening to this show, you know that that already has existed all along, And it's, but she's a real symbol of it. There's resentment for Amy Coney Barrett. There's resentment among those on the left as well. You know, we have so many of these liberals, and I think this is, this is also getting to a, a real sore point for them that they won't bring up. But, you you know, Pelosi before, uh, when I was when we're talking about getting the aid package for people from COVID, Pelosi really clearly went into went into high outrage because there was even a suggestion that she wasn't taking care of people who have been hit hard by COVID, that she wasn't doing everything possible to help those who are suffering during this. And it was interesting because, well, well, she's not But she wants everyone to think so. And that's a very important part of her self-regard. There's another area where a lot of particularly very wealthy white liberals think of themselves very highly. And it's in that they care so much about uh, underprivileged minorities, uh, particularly uh, black Americans and African-Americans who uh, have obviously, you know, in different parts of the country disproportionate rates or rates of incarceration and and uh, not finishing high school at the same rates and, and all of that. Right. So the libs always talk a big game about this. But it's fascinating because when you start to get down to a little bit, there are a lot of I know a lot of white liberals who. Really don't spend any time with minorities, certainly not. I mean, maybe minorities who went to their, you know, went to their class in harvard went to their uh, you know, university, went to Harvard with them but not minorities who are struggling. They don't know any. They don't, ha- they don't have any over for dinner. They don't spend any time with them. They don't go into the poor, high-crime neighborhoods. No, they go march with other idiot libs complaining about the police in those neighborhoods, right? They don't actually spend any time in these places. They're not, they're not volunteering their own hours to try to you know, provide mentorship and additional educational opportunity for these kids, no. No, your classic, your classic white lib is watching Rachel Maddow thinking, yeah, Republicans are so racist. And here's Amy Coney Barrett, who's, I mean, I'm not even getting into this, it doesn't matter what she looks like, but she's also, you know, uh, telegenic is I think the word I can say without getting in trouble. She's a telegenic woman, mother of seven, legal superstar, clearly. And she clearly doesn't care about skin color and did something beautiful for two children from Haiti, made them her own children, right? You know, you got, you got Cory Booker who's saying, you know, do you condemn white supremacy? The whole point is, oh, Republicans are also racist. Well, it's Amy Coney Barrett who's adopted two kids from Haiti and loves them as her own, loves them as, as she does as a mother, her, her, all of the rest of her kids. And I, I think that that upsets Libs at some level because they like They like the stereotype of the at least being able to believe, yeah, even the Republicans that are kind of kind of fancy sounding out there. You know, they're they're a little bit racist. They're a little bit racist. Amy Coney Barry. uh, I keep saying I'm sorry. Amy Coney Barrett uh, did something selfless and beautiful and expanded her family and showed that uh, she is someone who should be lecturing the left, actually, on how to take action based upon your morals and beliefs, and to do so with dignity and poise, they just resent all of this. Who is this Republican pro-life woman who's had this family and this career and adopted these two black children from Haiti and and has pulled all of this together? You can't have that and, and be a Republican. You can't act that way and think that way and be a Republican. You're an evil Trump supporter if you're a Republican. Oh, maybe what the left sees... Is that there are some of them, at least, and, and this manifests itself as more hatred, but eventually they might be able the smarter ones might be able to process this over time. Uh, what they see and what's happening here is they resent her because she is a living refutation of what they've been brainwashed to think the right is all about. In so many ways, she is a, a perfect example of what we, of what many on the right and in conservatism aspire to in so many ways and hold up as what... Well. Look, no one's perfect. I'm not saying she's some ideal for all of us to live to, but there's some impressive stuff here. And on the other side, they don't like this. They're much more comfortable. They're much happier uh, living in this, in this fantasy that anyone who's a Democrat cares more about the poor, about minorities, has better ideas for the advancement not just the advancement of women in the workplace or professionally the advancement of women's happiness and fulfilling very deep purpose as a woman like what what are the best ways to achieve that men have to think about the same things too the left has no answers And as i've said amy coney barrett is just a reputation of so many of the false answers they offer <laughs>
1: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
3: And I want to emphasize, you know, just given these list line of questions that you're asking that, you know, I am standing before the committee today saying that I have the integrity to act consistently with my oath and apply the law as the law um, to approach the ACA and every other statute without bias. And I have not made any commitments or deals or Anything like that. I'm I'm not here on a mission to destroy the Affordable Care Act. I'm just here to apply the law and adhere to the rule of law.
0: She's just saying, look, I'm gonna be a really good, fair judge, and obviously I have all the skills and experience and knowledge to do this. I love it. For about two days there was this whole she doesn't have enough time on the federal bench. Elena Kagan was never even a judge. She's made a Supreme Court justice, okay? And look, Kagan's smart. I'll say that. I disagree with her, but she's a smart lawyer. She's capable. Not all the Democrat Supreme Court justices are smart, but you already know how I feel about that. Uh, but then when they can attack uh, and you're going to hear a lot of this in the, in the closing moments, the closing arguments from these ACB hearings, which you'll notice I, I kept this for later on the show because it's important. But, you know, everyone's going to forget about this in a few days. I want us to get back to the political fight here. I want us to get back into lockdowns and back to the economy and all this. ACB is going to get through. There we go. It's going to happen. And now we're getting to two out of three, two out of three uh, of the big three. Trump beats covid. Trump gets ACB. Trump beats Biden. If we get to if we get all three of those in one month, it's going to make going to make the year 2020 feel just a little bit less bitter and awful. I think that's true. I think that's fair. But they're they're going to uh, in the in the closing moments. They're also just attacking this on weak process grounds. One of my favorites is that this is a. A stolen. Look, John Avalon, the guy's a lib. He's over at CNN. He does whatever they tell him to do. It's fine. Uh, A stolen Supreme Court seat. Play 14. Of course, that's
1: exactly what President Obama's nominee, Merrick Garland, was denied. But Republican senators assured us that this was the new election year standard. That was a lie. So when Mitch McConnell complained about the Democratic playbook of double standards, broken promises and raw power, he was engaging in some primo projection. Here's some way to gauge it. Judge Amy Coney Barrett's actually sitting in a stolen appellate court seat right now. That's right. Obama's nominee, Mara Selby, was the first woman and first African-American to serve on the Indiana Supreme Court. She was flat out denied a Senate vote. That's because Republican Senator from Indiana Dan Coates blocked it. In contrast, Democratic Senator from Indiana Joe Donnelly granted a vote to Amy Coney Barrett when she was nominated by Trump. Now, when Trump got into office, there were 103 court vacancies. How did that happen? What exactly does
0: he not understand? Does he not understand how government works? This would be like saying, but Republicans don't vote for bills that Democrats want sometimes. Yeah. That's the system we have. And even while talking about lying, he misstates what the McConnell rule was, which is when the president and the Senate are not uh, the Senate majority is not the same party. That's the rule. That's not happening. So they're not even and who gives a crap what the McConnell rule was? There was a filibuster for judicial nominees till so Harry Reid came along and said, "Yeah, well, there doesn't have to be. So the law is the law, and that's ultimately what this comes down to. The law is the law. The Constitution is the Constitution. This process is clear. They have no means to try to subvert it, and that's where that's where we find ourselves, my friends. They're just just whining and they get nothing. Maybe we really are. By the time you hear this, maybe it'll really almost be all done. In ACB, we're going to have this vote." It's hard for me to trust that, though. Yesterday, I was feeling like they must have some trick up their sleeve. But I couldn't think of one. You know, I've been telling you that. And maybe I couldn't think of one because there isn't
1: one. Sometimes you just run out of divisions and you can't win the war. Thanks for listening to the Bus and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Before we get to
0: roll call, I just want to say... Is, are they really claiming that like Trump is not allowed to dance to YMCA over at CNN? This is what I this is what I'm seeing. Play 15. It's fun wow. to stay
6: the YMCA. <laughs> you know, they play that song like every night in every gay bar across America. But, you know, <laughs> and last night I think it was Macho Macho Man and that one, too. <laughs> you cannot write this stuff. But he is having fun and dancing on the graves of two hundred and fifteen thousand Americans
0: dancing. Not allowed to dance, folks. Not allowed to dance. Mm -mm. People have died. Can't dance. You shouldn't be able to watch a movie either. You shouldn't be able to enjoy your food. You should just lock yourself at home and just breathe into the same stifling mask 24 seven and just beg for forgiveness from the Democrat overlords who say, if only you listen more, nobody would have died from COVID. No joy, no fun, no human contact, no dancing. That's that's uh, that's what we're heading for. If we allow them to continue this abject madness. But that's also a, that's a real litmus test. I remember some I remember a teacher telling me when I was uh, in grammar school, he said, you know how you can really hate you really hate somebody when the sight of them eating food really bothers you and and when you think about that it makes it makes some sense and i'm sure some of you have had that before you see someone and you just go oh just look at that person just stuffing his face they, you know they may be having just like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich doesn't matter. look at that person just the way they're oh, the way they're chewing and they're just such a gluttonous it doesn't matter if they're super skinny and eating healthy it doesn't matter they're, they're but they're getting some enjoyment out of this process and you find it gross That's when you know you really hate someone. Or If you hate the sound of someone chewing, but only one person or, you know, someone specifically. If you hate chewing in general, then you're like me because I just get bothered by noises. It's a problem. But if you hate the sound of one individual chewing, then you you know what I'm talking about. Um, And if you also, you know, the the best one of the best things that I that I think I've I've learned as I've gotten older is all you have to know about whether a person is really on your team, whether they're a real, real friend is are they legitimately happy for you when something good happens and want the best for you? And, and it has nothing to do with them. You know, when a friend of yours, when you come to a friend and say, hey, I just got, you know, hey, hey Bob, I just got that promotion. Is Bob like, oh, that's great. Let me let's I'm going to take you out stakes on me. You know, that's fantastic. I'm so happy for you. You know, you must have told Ethel, you know, the wife back home that uh, I don't know why Bob's married to Ethel, but, you know, they met when they were in high school. And, you know, the whole thing. Right. That's if you tell somebody that, uh, you know, you got that big promotion and he goes uh, and you say, hey, Bob, you know, I got the promotion. I don't know who's Bob in this. I've lost the plot with that. But if you say, hey, you know, I got that promotion and your friend responds, really, I thought you didn't even like that job. It's really all you have to know, folks. It's all you have to know. Tells you everything else. It it shows you their hand all at once. Uh, And. When you have members of the media who can't allow the president of the United States in an off the cuff moment at a rally, which is supposed to be an entertainment, it's supposed to be at a rally to just like dance to some music for a second. It means you hate the you hate the sight of that person chewing his food. It means you've crossed over into, well, true Trump uh, Trump derangement syndrome. You've crossed over into the realm of irrational disdain. So I think it's I know it's just a little moment there, but they really (laughs) you've heard me say this. They really hate this guy. And always remember this, friends, we don't we don't hate, you know, we don't hate the uh, Democrat politicians. We make fun of them when we need to. We disagree with them vehemently. We want to defeat their ideology. But the ones that can be brought over to our side, I say, great. The water's warm. Jump in. And the ones that we think are, you know, doing a lot of damage to the country. We have a process. We have a political process to push back and fight back against that. But ultimately, they're human beings, too. And, you know, we we, we want we don't want anything bad to happen to them. We want them to be healthy and just, you know, to spend time with their family and grandkids and have moments of joy, too. And don't ever loo- don't ever lose that. Don't ever allow these political fights to turn you into a person who hates the sight of a stranger dancing and expressing joy. Don't ever let that happen. Now we can do roll call.
1: Hit it. Like soft butter on warm toast. Time to spread some freedom coast to coast. It's time for roll call. Indeed, it
0: is time for roll call. And this is also the time of day. When I see the dog, it's time for... I've got her back again, Producer Mark. The little Frenchie. My parents let me have her. They thought I was sad without her. And fact check, true. So I've got her again. But she goes, this is nap number three at this part of the day.
8: I so. didn't know uh, you lost the dog for a while.
0: I had, I had to give her back to my parents. It's technically their dog. So I had to give her it's back true. for a while. But now we're like shared custody. Now I'm like her, uh, her uncle that you know, takes her to ball games, But, you know, that's... And then and, and keeps her for a few days. So... You're usually going to have to get your own dog. I know, but I feel like, you know, as long as she's around, you got a shared shared custody. To, I'll have to figure this one out. But anyway, one day, one day you and Mrs. Mark are going to get a four-legged friend. Oh,
8: absolutely. As soon as we get a house, the second purchase is a dog. Well, I guess you don't purchase I, I a dog, a, but you know what I mean.
0: I was uh, visiting friends down in uh, Baltimore. Lovely place. Baltimore uh, over the weekend. But actually, they, they live outside of Baltimore. It's quite beautiful. But uh, and there are there are some really nice kind of gothic looking structures There, Baltimore's got some cool stuff, but there's obviously some really rough areas of it, but they're in the suburbs, but I was down and they have a, a, a little a little kitten and I always feel like kittens are a trap because kittens are great like they're so fun and soft and cute, but then they grow up into cats just saying
8: yeah, they're awful animals.
0: Whoa, whoa, we love all cat lovers here on the Buck Sexton Show. Oh, if you Produce love cats, them. good for you. I, I just don't like them. But you know what I mean about kittens? There was a little tiny kitten, too. It was like the little fluffy furball phase. It's tiny. It was like jumping all over me and stuff. Was yeah, I guess kid?
8: kittens are cute. When they turn yeah. into cats, they just hide from you.
0: Yeah. I have. I, I, always have this dream, too, that one day I could have a pet fox. And there's a, there's a, there's an Instagram account called Juniper Fox that I follow. Where it's a person who has two pet foxes. Like, they're like dogs, except they're wild foxes and they live in their house. I saw a Facebook video the other
8: day of some woman that has two squirrels as pets. I mean, that sounds amazing.
0: Really? <laughs> Mark, why didn't, why didn't you send this to me? Sign me up. I'm sorry. Uh, I love animals. Yeah, any cute animal stuff. You can always, you know, send me like important stuff so that we can keep doing the show and, and, Make your you pictures happy. of animals, but also, yeah, cute, cute animal pictures. I'm all about it. All right. All right. Brandy, I'm sorry for the delay. Here we go. Hey, Buck, what do you think of all these polls saying Trump is behind Biden? I don't get it. He has huge crowds and enthusiasm. Are the polls all wrong? Is Trump going to win Shields High? Oh, Brandy, you ask a great question, but it's one that I can just give you my my best sense about. And my best sense is, yes, Trump is going to win. But I cannot guarantee it. And I wish I could. I, I am not. Uh, I'll tell you this. I'm more confident that at least New York City and other Democrat parts of the country are going to go into lockdown than I are that Trump is going to win the election. Which is not to say I don't think Trump's going to win the election. It's just I'd say I'm I, I, I'd, I'd say I'm uh, Sixty seven or five or, you know, something like 60, 70 percent sure. But there's a good chunk. I mean, there's about a there's about a, a one in three shot here that Biden, in my mind, wins this thing. I'm like, I, folks. Got to keep it real. Can't tell you lies. And then as for uh, the crowds, well, you know, Democrats right now think that good people avoid crowds. So it's tough to know how much of that is lack of enthusiasm for Biden. But also when you add in all the fraudulent mail-in ballots that are going to be collected by ballot harvesters and all the other stuff, it gets a little, little tougher. You know, I don't know. It's going to be very, very tight. As for the polls, I think the polls are not representative of what's going to happen in this election. And I think it's because there are enough people who are libs who are these polling companies who feel like it doesn't matter if they're wrong, they better do everything they can to suppress Trump turnout. I think that's what's happening, but maybe that look folks, if the freedom hut has to become, you know, the freedom fort where we're all gathered together every day because we're heading into a Biden administration and we got to get ready for the oncoming. I mean, this is why we say shields high. It's all about, you know, all about being able to handle the incoming you know <laughs> incoming administration in this case but incoming in a whole bunch of ways that's that's really a secret to life and if we have to we'll we'll band together and we'll do it and we'll we'll be fine you know what i mean we'll figure it out i'm not gonna you know one thing you'll never have is me, ah, me trump lost we weekend the republic is gone look it's gonna be bad for the country i'm not gonna lie i'm probably gonna sell all the stock that i own and I'm, I'm not kidding when I say, you know, gold. Uh, there's a reason I love gold so much. There's a reason I own gold. There's a reason I got a gold sponsor. Uh, it's not that's that's for real, folks. That's all for real, um, because you get you get into Biden and modern monetary theory stuff and the AOC wing and uh, the history of fiat currency. And I really mean this. The history of fiat currency, currency that is not tied to any actual uh, observable, demonstrable metric of value is very clear and it's very bad eventually it collapses so uh, i do have concerns about that not not really yet and i'm not going to do the catastrophist thing because who knows maybe maybe trump wins and we're able to make some good things happen here that's and i think it will happen but brandy see you got me on this one and that was where my mind focused in on
1: you're in the freedom hut this is the buck sexton show podcast
0: More roll call here with Richard Buck. I thought Obamacare and Roe was settled law constitutionally. Is the left tipping their hat that they've built a judicial house of cards since the 70s that could fall if we get some traditional judges in there? The Dems have reaped what they have sowed. Rack up the cases and knock them down. Shields and gavels high. Yeah, Richard, you're right about this. I mean, they they realize that they're these victories that they've had from the Supreme Court are fragile and could be and and are temporary in that sense. And they've led themselves to believe that whatever they achieve via the court, which means they couldn't get it through normal legislative process, whatever they get handed by the court is permanent. But that's just not true or it doesn't have to be true. It has been true so far, at least with Roe, but it does not have to be true. So we will have to see if perhaps this is the. The beginning of the end of that perception uh, we'll see. I remember, I've told you this ACB be a very good judge doesn't mean conservatives are going to like everything that she decides. And we're OK with that. Right. That's where that's how I view things. Sometimes I don't agree with the law. You know, look, even with like the like the, the Roger Stone thing, for example, you know, uh, General Flynn, I don't think actually lied. I think that they misrepresented, they misrepresented what he said. And they that's why they didn't think he lied. So I think they just they set him up and that was an ambush. Uh, and they lied about it so it was it was you know fraudulent the fix was in but you know Roger Stone I like Roger I think Ro- I like Roger I think he's an entertaining guy but you know he kind of he kind of didn't really you know technically yeah he did some stuff so you know he's being held accountable for that um so and then uh, Although they want to send him to prison for nine years, that's insane. He should have gotten a slap on the wrist, probation, and you know, let, let to go on his way. That's it. Uh, let's see here, Kathy Buck. Love the show. It's my favorite drive home radio. You guys crack me up while informing you of the day's Democrat. But I gotta clear this up. Jersey gravy starts with beef base, usually a demi made with bones. Marinara is a vegetable based. Hey, Mario, Luigi. I always thought they were the same, just like you, until I got really into cooking. Shields high. Uh, Producer Mark, is this is this does this uh, this Jersey thing? Jersey gravy with beef base. You're a Jersey guy. Any 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 weigh in on this? All right, let's start off with one thing. I'm not a Jersey guy. I mean, technically, you are a resident of the state of
8: New Jersey. Right now, I'm a resident. That doesn't mean I'm a Jersey guy. Fair enough. So fair enough. Uh, yeah, I think that's true. Marinara sauce is just kind of tomato sauce that doesn't have anything in it, and usually other sauces have stuff in it. You know, be or do, beef or vegetables Nick,
0: or something. Producer Nick, who is Italiano, yeah, He would know better says, than me. He's, ne- he's, never even, he's never heard of this before. So maybe this is like a, a Jersey-specific thing?
8: Well, I mean, if you buy a jar of tomato sauce or you go to a restaurant, usually they cook it with vegetables and whatnot, and I believe marinara sauce you know, is just tomatoes. Just,
0: you know, vegetarian, yeah. maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I don't really Fair care. Point. They both are delicious. Fair point. No, I had I had a, a gluten free. There's a great gluten free Italian place in New York. And I had my brothers over last night because I got one brother now uh, who just moved out. To, he's moved to Austin. He moved today. Actually, when people hear the show. So KLBJ Austin, you have one of the Sexton boys now among you. He's moved there. So if you got any advice or any uh, from all our KLBJ folks, any advice, you know, and he'll kill me if he hears me say this. Any lovely single ladies in their 30s who want a uh, handsome Ivy League educated uh, entrepreneur, you know, very single man. I'm just putting it out. I'm just saying I'm just helping my brother. I'm just helping my brother. But he's down in Austin. So uh, there you go. Rob Buck been listening since the days of the blaze. Glad you'll be resuming Shields High series. I'm thrilled to hear it. I'm also a keen student of history and thoroughly enjoyed Shields High. I've often wondered if you ever have more time to create episodes. Can't wait to hear them. Keep up the great work. All hail the hair. And yes, the beard as well. Rob, I think that's the first beard props I've ever gotten. (laughs) Usually it's like, yeah, you look like you're trying to buy beer somewhere, you know. But uh, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. I've gotten better at shaping and trimming the beard. At first, it was kind of just like uh, the Tom Hanks beard from Castaway, except not as full. And uh, and now I understand beard, Beardo dynamics a little bit. Do You think that's a thing, producer, Mark? Beardo, Beardo dynamics. dynamics? No, no, I, I like I feel like I just made up a word. But yeah, now I understand how to contour and shape and and do all that good stuff. So that's kind of that's kind of where I'm rolling. And as for uh, the Shields High, yeah, I we already we already have one Malta in. So at some point if I don't get others producer Mark is just going to say I can't we can't wait anymore he's going to release it. But we're I'm going to get others done. We're going to get Malta 1 and 2, Lepanto 1 and 2, uh and Dracula, I think. Dracula. That'll be fun. And that one's got to get done soon because I want to do it for uh for the Also maybe I should do Madame uh, is it Madame Bovary I think is her name? Uh from uh Romania or something who you know some of you know what I'm talking about. She liked uh, Killed all the people and swam in their blood or something. It's bad stuff, but scary. Anyway, sorry, not the way I wanted to end the show. Thanks so much for being here, team. Back tomorrow. Pass the buck to a friend this week. Tell them about the Buck Sexton Show. Give them the podcast to listen to Shields High.